0: So by taking action on the things that matter to us, things that line up with our values, moving in the direction that we really see valuable and worthy in life and engaging fully and in the present moment with what we're doing right now, it helps mitigate the sadness of life, which is inevitable, and the traumas of life that are inevitable by being human. I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't. This is Unlock Your Therapy. Hello, welcome to the Unlock Your Therapy podcast. This is session number 14. I'm so happy to being able to take some time upstairs and talk to you all right now. It's an unusual time to record my podcast because both my kids are home and downstairs. So hopefully they don't make too much noise and I can safely record this, but it's very nice just to be able to lock myself in my room and do a little work right now. So today's episode is a regular lineup. We have highs and lows I'm going to go over of just a high from my week to recognize and be grateful for something that went well this week. And also a low, just to recognize that things don't always go well and to hopefully give you all some relatable content that you can feel like you're not alone when things don't go well in your week. And just to feel more connected, I like to share a bit of my personal journey. And then after that, we're going to have anxiety. Today, I'm sharing some information and numbers with you all during anxiety. And after that, we're getting into Skill of the Week, and to go along with anxiety, Skill of the Week is also going to be a bit more educational today, and I think it will be helpful in the long run of all of your skills. Action Item of the Week is going to be a fun exercise to do that I'm giving to you all free And I think will really give you a lot of information about where you're at right now in your season of life and where you want your focus to be. So let's dive in. The low of my week was, of course, you guys already know, one of my kids being sick. This time it was Everett, and Everett is such a great Baby, and he's so he's so easy. So he had a lot of like goopy eye going on, and he seemed kind of cranky. No fever. Brought him to the doctor, and they said he had a raging double ear infection. She said it was quite nasty, and she couldn't believe he was still in as good of a mood as he was. He was laughing at her and smiling, and. Overall, in a great mood despite being extremely sick. So that's my low of poor Everett being sick, but it was fine. He got to hang out with mommy for the day, he slept a lot. It was fine. I enjoyed the extra time with him. And then in high, so my high is I have two. The first one being that we're getting closer to setting a closing date for Dan's apartment that we're selling. And that means I'm getting closer to our vision of Vermont, having a little getaway there. I don't know what that looks like right now. It might just look like some dirt and land, and that's fine by me. But I'm just excited. Even the thought of it brings me so much joy. My second high is that my mom booked a plane ticket to come visit. She's coming next week. I'm so excited. And the person even more excited than me is Carson because Carson adores my mom. And he's been asking me and crying hysterically for when is Mimi coming to his blue house? Because that's what he calls our house, his blue house. And so it just is so exciting that she's coming. He's going to be absolutely thrilled. And in his glory, I'm not sure he's going to want to go to school though, but he's going to be so excited. So that will be so fun and I can't wait. In anxiety today, I wanted to talk about statistics of just how prevalent it is for people to be struggling with something mentally. I think people feel so alone. I mean, I know people feel so alone When you struggle with anxiety, when I had anxiety, I felt so alone. When it was really severe, I felt like, oh gosh, like I'm crazy. Like I feel so, I don't know, just so bad that I just feel like no one could relate to me. And I think it's because people in your immediate circle might not be going through what you're going through at that moment. So they don't really know how to relate to that feeling. And certainly if, Your partner is a man. I think they don't have as much anxiety. Men don't have the same level of anxiety typically that women do. They have other things they struggle with, but a lot of men can't relate to that feeling of anxiety. So they don't know what you're talking about, frankly. And it can be isolating when you feel so alone. So I just want to share some numbers in hopes that it helps you feel like you're not alone or if other people in your life are going through it, that they're not alone, that just lots of people struggle. And it's going to go into what I'm going to talk about in skill of the week, which is about happiness and how we're not meant to be happy all the time. So just for some numbers, one in 10 people, currently one in 10, so when you go to the grocery store and 10 people walk by, one of those people, theoretically, have clinical depression. And clinical depression is when you really meet criteria for having depression, which is a serious list of symptoms for depression, like, you know, really not functioning, not being able to get out of bed for an extended period of time. One in 10 at the current moment, you know, and that changes, of course, like people have that over different times of their lives. One in five is depressed at some time in their life. One in five people, that's a lot. 20%. I think that's a lot. One in four people have or has had addiction. So currently struggling with addiction or has struggled with addiction in the past. 25%, and it might be more than that. I mean, this is just who we know comes in for help and reports it. I know at least 30% of people have been sexually assaulted at one time in their lives. These numbers are very high when you think about it. 30% of adults have a recognized psychological disorder. I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you know how I feel about disorders and labels and diagnoses, not my cup of tea. But it just means that that's a serious set of criteria to meet that level of disorder means it's it's interfering in your functioning. So 30% currently. And some of these people overlap and some of them don't. You know, so overall, it's a lot of people. Another sobering statistic is that half, almost half of all people, almost half of all people you know, literally almost 50% of humans will have seriously contemplated suicide at some point in their life, like given it a serious thought. Almost half the people you know, that's a lot. And one in 10 will actually attempt it. So I'm just bringing this up not to be a Debbie Downer, but just to try to give you this perspective because I think when people aren't in the mental health field and they struggle, they feel like they're the only ones that struggle, but it's obviously not true. A lot of people struggle, just people aren't talking about it like at Starbucks you know, when you're hanging out with them or when you're getting a drink and you're not serious friends with them. or maybe more acquaintances, or maybe you don't have a lot of friends where you live. As adults, a lot of adults don't have a lot of friends. It's a struggle for them. So you may not have this perspective. And I always tell my clients like, oh, I've been talking to people all day long. I've had X number of sessions. And I know that people have the same concerns, thoughts, feelings that you have. And when I tell people that they feel relieved, but they also half don't believe me. Like they think I'm just trying to make them feel better. Like I wouldn't say it just to try to make a client feel better. That would be a lie. I don't lie to people. (laughs) But seriously, when someone shares something with me in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, wow, this is like a big theme this week. Or yes, I've heard this a thousand times. And not in a rude way, more like, yes, this is so common, of course. Of course you feel this way. It's very normal to feel this way. And even when people struggle it's not normal to feel like severely anxious all the time. It's normal given the circumstances or given what people are going through. I've never met someone who's anxious for therapy. And when they tell me their story, I'm like, yeah, no, I have no idea why you're anxious. When they tell me like just their life or what they have going on, what they're juggling or what's happened to them. And then they're like, yeah, and I have anxiety and I don't know why. I'm like, I do, I know why. <laughs> but with anxiety, we don't always process it and it may not seem directly connected, right? I could be sitting here doing nothing, reading a book in bed and I'll just feel like tightness in my chest or just feel uncomfortable. I can't take a deep breath. I feel my heart might raise and nothing's going on. So then I could think, oh wow, nothing's happening. I have anxiety for no reason, quote unquote, no reason. But no, the body is just processing like everything that's already happened And a lot of times it's just somatic memory. The body remembers, the body has its own memory that's not attached to language or the brain in that language part, memory part of our brain. So it experiences things in the body somatically. So you can be just relaxing and maybe, I don't know, maybe you hear like a car alarm go off or you hear a siren go by and you're not processing any of that in your brain. But your body might remember something, right? And it might just react or start having heart palpitations or just kind of kick up the adrenaline a bit. And all of that's unconscious. Not everything goes through our brain. We think we're so smart and everything must go through our brain. But actually, we are so smart because our bodies know a lot and process things all without language or our brains being on board. Because we've evolved so far and we, you know, animals, all of that, they don't talk, right? But they still experience things and react and all of that's without language and words. And we're really no different. Language and words and memory is just a small part of our experience. And that's why anxiety is so physical, why people have headaches and stomach aches and heart palpitations and almost every client that I've seen. In private practice, has gone to urgent care, a cardiologist, a gastroenterologist, the emergency room, including myself. I'm not ruling myself out of this. I'm included in this list before really recognizing, oh, this is anxiety. And listen, I'm glad that people are going to medical providers first. Please, I'm not a doctor. Please see a real doctor before you come to see me for anxiety. It's absolutely Best to see a doctor, get everything ruled out. It doesn't hurt to get all that taken care of. But after you do, I need you to accept those results and say, Oh, okay, I'm okay. Everything's fine. This is clearly anxiety. And that's healthy if you can do that. If you're stuck and really like, No, mm-mm, I think I secretly have some heart defect that they missed, and that's why. I have heart palpitations or no, I think that I secretly have something wrong with my GI system. This is not just anxiety. People would rather have a medical problem than have anxiety. And I get it. It's because it would be a clear cut answer and maybe you could take a vitamin or a medicine and it would go away and be fixed and problem solved. It's not as simple when it's anxiety or mental health. It takes more Finesse and nuances and changing behavior, changing the way you think and your perspective and self care. And, you know, it's way more of a bigger change, I think, than if it was something smaller. Like if they're like, your vitamin D is low, that's why you feel this way. And that's totally normal. But I just want people to know that it's normal because when they come see me, they're just in their own world and they think, I've been to doctors, no one knows what's wrong with me, this and that, this is my whole life, it's very stressful, I have a lot going on, I've been through trauma, and here I am I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like, well, let's, you know, let's talk about all that and get in touch with that a little more. And it's easy to not be in touch with that when it's your world and existence. But anyway, that's why I wanted to share about the numbers and just give you some perspective and that you're not alone. And this is kind of human experience suffering and going through mental ups and downs. And I'm not saying it's normal per se, but it is very common. Maybe that's how we could say it. It's very common. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you can't get through this. It's, you know, much more prevalent than you think. And people are going through it. And I think that can also help build empathy, right? For just people you might work with or people you're annoyed with throughout the day. You know, if you think about those numbers, it's like, well, one of those people I interacted with today has depression or clinical depression or anxiety or a mental health diagnosis or addiction or sexual trauma that they're processing. And a lot of people are in therapy too. So maybe they just had a therapy session and talk about all this hard stuff. And then now they're distracted and they cut me off in traffic. You know, and that's honestly how I think when I'm seeing people out in the world. For the most part, I try to think that way because it's true. And of course, you know, I might have a bad day or, you know, be reactive or in a bad mood and not be as patient or think about any of that empathetic stuff. But it might help you get through the world a little easier if you think about that for others and for yourself. And just giving yourself grace and understanding you're not alone. I created something brand new: the No More People Pleasing Mini Course. I help women to stop people-pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm going to teach you four proven strategies, research proven strategies, that's going to bring you from people-pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're going to use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs, to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm gonna teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets that's gonna bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're gonna get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at unlockyourtherapy on Instagram. Click the link in my bio to get on the list. Okay, moving on to skill of the week. So skill of the week, I wanted to talk about happiness and how being happy all the time is not normal. So... You know, not to be a Debbie Downer again, but it's, it, it's not normal to want to be happy all the time. However, our society convinces us that we should be happy all the time. And that's really like marketing and trying to spend money to cure us and to make us just seek pleasure and joy and happiness and dopamine and get instant gratification. And that's kind of why we think we're always supposed to be happy or chasing that happiness, that if we're not feeling happy that day, there's something wrong, or it makes us feel more depressed or anxious because we're not achieving happiness, quote unquote happiness. And movies kind of perpetuate this, shows, right? These big happy endings and that we should be this way. But I just wanted to talk about the root of that being evolution. So when we were you know, in tribes and living as cave people and all of that, we needed to get our basic needs met, right? Food, water, shelter, and sex, and not getting killed, right? (laughs) So we had to look out for saber-toothed tigers and not getting eaten by something or whatever. So that's where the fight, flight, and freeze came in for anxiety, right? We either had to fight off a bear, run away from the bear. And you might freeze and get eaten by the bear possibly. Or sometimes if you freeze, the bear goes away, right? So that's part of survival. So that's part of the anxiety system to this day. That's what we're left with. That's part of our reptilian part of the brain, they call it. Literally the brain we've had since we're reptiles. That's why they call it that name. So it makes sense why we react to anxiety the way we do with fight, flight, or freeze. That's still how we react to everything. So it was to help anticipate and avoid danger, help survival, and now we don't have to do that, right? I don't have to go fight off a bear or anything like that. So since I don't have to fight off a bear or run away from a bear, we're just left with lots of adrenaline. So I could be watching Netflix and I get a surge of adrenaline, and that leaves me with a lot of physical symptoms, So we don't need all that adrenaline and it gets trapped in our bodies and it leaves us with all these physical uncomfortable feelings. And part of when we were cave people or living in groups, we had to fit in. We had to make sure we're not being rejected or left out. We had to kind of scan the environment for dangers at all times And we had to gather things and kind of hoard things to prepare for winter and for tough seasons of growth. And that is still to this day in our brains. So that's why we overconsume things, buying things make us feel good temporarily, holding on to things, trying to gather things when we think we need them and comparing ourselves to others, what we do now. And that brings us anxiety especially with social media that obviously wasn't a thing before. And so that leads to even more comparison where before we would only compare ourselves with the few people in our small group, our family or our tribe. And now we can compare ourselves with the entire world on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, TikTok. And you can literally see the inner life, the lives of famous people like Kim Kardashian or whoever, right? Famous, rich people. And you can watch their lives. And it gives you this sense of as if everyone's on a level playing field that we're now comparing our house to people with millions of dollars and what their perfect house looks like. And we don't see any of their behind the scenes life, just what they want to show us. And so it really leads to unsatisfaction when we're comparing to everybody in the whole world. So there's a lot more problems today with that than there was back then. And we just compare as part of that primitive part of our brain and we don't wanna be left out, we don't wanna be rejected. So instead of those, you know, caveman problems we had, like getting eaten by a bear. We have modern day problems. Like, am I fitting in? Am I good enough? Did I do anything wrong today? Is there any problems I need to worry about? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? And we fixate on other things. That's just what the brain does. The brain creates thoughts. It creates worries. It scans for danger. And I always say to people who are anxious, Your brain is doing a great job. Like Your brain is really good at working hard to try to protect you. It's trying to protect you so hard that it's making you so anxious. It's just working extra hard. You should thank your brain because it's gotten you to this point of evolution and survival. And it's gotten you here on Earth. And it's just a little overactive. It's a little bit of an overachiever. So we have to talk to it and calm it down and retrain it and do lots of things to help simmer it down, but it's not a bad thing at its core. Just think it's survival. It's doing what it's supposed to do. So the good news is even though we're not meant to be happy all the time, happiness is a fleeting emotion like sadness or anger or anything else, we can build a meaningful, full, rich life. And how do we do that? So by taking action on the things that matter to us, things that line up with our values, moving in the direction that we really see valuable and worthy in life, and engaging fully and in the present moment with what we're doing right now, all of these things really lead to a full range of human emotions because life comes with suffering. But it, as long as you have a built up meaningful life that has values in it that you're in line with you feel connected, you feel like you're on the right path with that, it helps mitigate the sadness of life, which is inevitable, and the traumas of life that are inevitable by being human. So I think that's good news, that there's things we can do to create that life worth living. And that's really all my programs are designed to teach, is starting from scratch of values, identifying your values, identifying where you're at right now and getting a really good picture of where you're at. And then I guide you on where we're going to go from there. So I guide you through the three-step roadmap. That is what I use to deal with anxiety, to navigate difficult emotions, building that life worth living. And it has three parts to it to get to that end point of building the meaningful life to help mitigate the not so great things in life. And there's no escape from them. It's no quick fix. It's not a silver bullet answer, but it's the real work of how to get from A to Z and how to live differently, even if you still have anxiety or still have difficult emotions. Those are inevitable, but how can we work with that? Okay, action item of the week. The action item of the week is... My PDFs that are in the show notes, which are right wherever you're watching this episode, I was listening to this episode, you'll see it in the description. There's a link for the PDF, which is my anxiety tool. Click on the anxiety tool. It's going to bring you to, like you put in your email and you're going to get it in your email. So you'll get my anxiety tool, which is a bullseye graph. And then the other part of the PDF is a list of values. I don't know how many are on there, but there's a lot. And I want you to read through the list of the values and I want you to pick four that resonate with you right now. It doesn't mean that's where you're at or what you're doing. It just means those resonate with you and you feel like those are what's important to you at this exact moment. Values shift and change. You could read the sheet and be like, oh, these are all important to me. Great. But you can only really focus on a few at a time. So, just pick three or four, and then I want you to look at the bullseye graph. you're gonna put one value in each quadrant of the graph, and then you're gonna let's say, for example, friends like socializing friendship is in one of the quadrants, okay? If I think, "Oh, I really haven't seen my friends lately, I'm not really in touch with them that much. I've been too busy. I feel really out of touch with friends or I moved recently I don't how many friends where I live, I need to make new friends. okay, so friends might resonate with me, friendship as a value, something I want and desire, but I'm not in line with that right now in my life, for example. So then you're going to look at that and you're going to put your dot on the outer circle, the outer line of the graph, like far away from the center bullseye, right? To show that you're not in alignment with that right now. The next quadrant, maybe I put family. Oh, family. I spend a lot of time with my family. I talk to them a lot. I feel like I got to see them recently or I'm going to see them soon. Okay, I feel good about that. So I'm going to put my dot really close to the center, close to the bullseye. And you're going to do that with all the values you put there. And I just want you to look at it and take it in. And I think it'll give you a good representation of where you're at with things in life. Because these are the values you deemed important to you right now, and it just shows you if you're in line with it or out of line with it, and there's no judgment in this at all. It's just to give you information. And with that information, you can say, oh, okay, I wrote health as a value. I can see my dot is on the outer circles. I'm really not in alignment with what I want to be doing towards my value of health. That's something I can think about a little more and see where I want to end up with that. So it's a fun exercise and it's just meant to give you information. I don't want you to judge what your graph looks like and just think your graph can change as you change, right? So it's not like set in stone. It's just a piece of paper. You can print out a new one tomorrow if you want. So do the exercise. And then after you get the anxiety tool, you'll get my other emails that give you a plan for what to do next. So you're going to get an email about goal setting and working towards those values. Values are different than goals, but you want to set up goals that are in alignment with your values, right? And it doesn't have to be like set goal goals, but just having in mind what you want to do to work toward values. If my value is health, maybe I just want to like move around a little more. Like I feel like I sit all day. So maybe I just want to like walk around a little bit, like just for 10 minutes, like Make sure I walk around outside or something during my work day, my work time. So it could be small things like that. And that's in alignment with health. But there's no achieving health per se or no achieving friendship or family. You're in line with that goal. I mean, with sorry, you're in line with that value. It's not a goal. There can be goals set up just to bring you closer in alignment with the value. But think of the value as like um, a guiding light, like a lighthouse beam out in the distance or like a north star. It's just there to guide you, but it's not a goal per se. But anyway, you'll get emails about how to set up the goals that are in line with the value and you'll get all the information about how all of that works. So it's a very comprehensive package you'll get over a few days delivered to your inbox. I hope that's helpful. I hope you all have a fabulous week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.